So this is my podcast about running in the classic Jack, uh, 18 miles on the coastal path from St. Just, well, and over to St. Ives. And this was meant to be a series of snippets, interviews, all that sort of stuff, and comments along the way. But um, unfortunately, uh, for some reason, um, I didn't do the interviews indoors very well. So uh, apologies to the uh, the lovely ladies who were who were serving teas and coffees, Rachel and Sophie, at the Miners Chapel in Penzance, uh, not Penzance, in St. Just, where we started because... My interview with them was just far too scratchy. I don't know why, how I managed to mess that up. Um, I also interviewed Andy Goundry in the Miners Chapel talking about his new shoes, and that wasn't very good either. And Andrew George, who is a cricket kind of mate of mine, a former MP of the area, I interviewed him about the event as well, and that was rubbish quality as well. So I don't know why I did. And then out on the track, uh, on the on the on the road, on the run itself, I. I had several sort of one, two-minute snippets I was recording to keep myself motivated as much as anything else. And, and the wind was just immense. And um, and the, la- <laughs> the closer I held the microphone to me, the more the wind got behind it. So all of those recordings were just, I couldn't even hear them myself. So they'd be terrible if I put them out here as a podcast. So I'm going to have to recount my story without all that uh, all that stuff so um you know okay it was i th- i know you'll find that funny but actually we you should be sympathizing with me really so what happened was well you know i entered this race about i don't know 6 months ago can't quite remember somebody mentioned that they were going for it i looked it up and i thought wow this would be great because you know this podcast is all about the build up to the classic quarter in 2021 and I thought doing an 18-mile run on a part of the coastal path that I'd never been on before. And I made a deliberate policy not to recce it. And I'm pretty pleased I did, actually, because I think <laughs> had I wreckied it and realised what it was going to be like, then I think I might have struggled to <laughs> motivate myself to do it. So this was tough. Um, and But it was a great weekend, you know. Airbnb apartment in St. Ives, a few of my running friends stayed over. We had, we had, a, we had a good time. Uh, caught the coach down to the start at the Miners Chapel. I mean, this this is Dave and Sally who organised this, Dave in particular. And uh, it's uh, by Guayi Events Company. I can't, <laughs> that's a terrible pronunciation. I don't know how to pronounce their name. I'm looking at it now and I can't work out how to pronounce it. But uh, look them up. Uh, look up the, uh, it's the Cousin Jack series. Uh, there was an ultra race and a little Jack, which was seven miles. Um, and it was terrific. It was great fun. So we got, we got a bus down to... Um, down to the start line. We were there quite early. <laughs> we were there before 8 o'clock, and it didn't start till 10. So plenty of time to get a uh, kit check done, all that sort of stuff. Have you got your first aid kit? I mean, I took tons of stuff. I took mu- too much stuff, really. Uh, I took too much food, and uh, what was interesting, I, I hardly drank anything on the 18 miles. Now, that's really unusual for me. So I had 500 millilitres in one uh, flask of my hydration vest full of Morton's, uh, you know, the Kipchoge uh, isotonic drink and 500 mils of water. First schoolboy error I made, which I didn't realise till I talked to everybody afterwards back at the apartment, was that my water tasted terrible. Oh, it was awful. And I couldn't work out why. And I thought, I can't believe the, the water out of the tap in the apartment in St. Ives is so horrible. <laughs> anyway, it turns out that I, made, you know, I didn't wash out. I bought some new water bottles with the straw things on. 
because the other ones I hadn't got straws on, and you're kind of leaning down, and and <laughs> it's a bit of a weird sensation leaning down and tucking into your hydration vest and trying to drink, you know. So <laughs> I won't go into details, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I bought some uh, new ones with straws, and they were great, but I f- I didn't clean them out. I didn't w- I didn't follow the instructions and give them a good wash out first. So I literally. Um, poured water into them and and then of course the water tasted horrible and it wasn't the water ultimately of course it was the fact I hadn't cleaned them out so that was a bit of a bit of a mistake and that may have um, prevented me drinking too much water but the isotonic drink was fine I imagine but I didn't I I hardly I I maybe drunk half the isotonic drink all the way around and not much of the foul tasting water so that was uh, that was a new experience for me. Hardly drinking on the run. Um, I had flapjack with me. I had malt loaf with me. Um, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. I had a chain, two pairs of socks, two pairs of gloves, uh, a new base layer, um, and then all the all this statutory kit like a foil blanket and a first aid kit and all sorts of other bits and bobs. Um, what else did I have? Oh, twenty quid. We had to take twenty quid with us. <laughs> I don't know. I've no idea what we were going to spend that on. <laughs> I didn't see anything, any sign of civilization out there. There certainly weren't any shopping centers that we ran through or, or any internet access. So I could just stop and, well, you wouldn't use cash, you would buy it on Amazon or something, would you, anyway? So that was interesting. Not, I still don't know why that was for. But anyway, there we go. I took it like everybody else. So got signed off, got my bags cleared and all that, and then went in the chapel. Did manage to get a little bit of a power nap, actually. And I described it in the report afterwards as a 60% power nap. So I tried to sneak into one of the pews away from my team colleagues and just have a little pull the cap over my head and just try and relax and chill out. I was ready to go by then, but it was still probably three quarters of an hour before the race started. Um, someone did manage to sneak a picture of me having a power nap, and I think I've put that on the on the uh, website that, that goes goes with the running diary for this 44 at 60 venture. So anyway, at 10 o'clock, the uh, town crier turns up. Well, we had the briefing. The briefing was amazing. The, Dave, the organiser, get his Cornish gear on. He's in the pulpit in the Miners' Chapel, and he's giving us the full-on briefing, the safety briefing, the whole lot. He's so enthusiastic, this fellow. He's only a young lad. He looks about 14. But he's, uh, he's so enthusiastic. And uh, I'd never met him before. And uh, he gave the full briefing and... Uh, all the reasons why he's going to disqualify people, especially dropping litter, and quite rightly so. You know, we don't want runners, you know, leaving their gel wrappers behind on the Cornish Coastal Path. Thank you very much. So good for him that that was that. Was that. So off we went uh, down to the start line, um, having stayed inside the... Uh, it was funny because we were, we were about to go out and there was a really sharp shower. So we sort of hung around and there were people outside waiting for us all runners to come out and I happened to be at the front of the queue and I felt like I felt like the captain of a football team waiting the nod from the referee to lead the players out the tunnel and get onto the pitch <laughs> your imagination starts to wander when you're about to run 18 miles so we get down to the start line and the, and the uh, local town crier is there I presume he's the St. Just Train crier and he's ringing his bell and oh yay and oh yay and oh yay and you know, I wish I'd recorded him but again you know it would have been a false dawn on the recording but um and then he, he asked for a minute silence, and the minute silence was for miners who'd lost their lives in the local area over the last 150 years or something. But it was so windy, no, even the town crier couldn't be heard. So um, he quite strategically reduced the uh, minute silence to about nine seconds, and then rang his bell, and we were away. Because honestly, I don't think no, disre- I don't think anybody disrespected his minute silence. I just didn't think anybody halfway back or beyond, would have heard him. We were quite well to the front. So off we go. We run across a couple of fields, get on the coastal path. 
And I'm through the first three minutes or so in about 35 minutes, somewhere like that. And, and you know, I've, I've done all the calculations and I know that I've got to get to Gurnard's Head, which is the, the checkpoint uh, by in three hours, 15 minutes. Now, originally on the course, that's nine miles and with eight to go. But because they started this year at the Miners Chapel, it added about another mile, I think, to the course. Or it turned out to, well, on, on my Strava, it turned out to be 18.2 miles. So um, so we had to get that organised. We got that got that sorted. Um, so I'm through three miles in 35 minutes thinking, well, this is okay. You know, I'm, I'm in good shape. Got through six miles then in around about, if I remember rightly now, it was on the podcast recording, but I can't even hear what I said at six miles. Um but I, I think it was about 115 maybe or 110, somewhere like that. So um, so I was very happy with that. Yeah, happy with that. Good good pace. Uh, not not trying to run too quick. And already had experienced by then, you know, the pitfalls of the coastal path running. At four and a half miles, I uh, slipped, not for the first time, uh, because by now the, the paths were getting muddy. And um, I kind of slipped leftwards. And um, I could see I was, I was, you know, I was sort of out of control a little bit. And uh, I could see what looked like some water. And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to get, well, my feet are already wet now, but I'm just going to end up p- putting my feet in the water. But I didn't realise the water was <laughs> actually quite deep. And uh, I've, I've slipped in. I was, I, was, I was literally up to the, up to the, you know, sort of somewhere between my waist and my knees, top of my thighs, really. And, of course, you naturally put your hands down, don't you? So I put my gloves down to save myself. I don't know what I thought I was going to s- put my gloves on. But of course, when I when I emerged, they were soaked. So <laughs> by this stage, the wind is absolutely blasting us, and it's coming sideways on. So um, I'm just about thirteen stone, and it was knocking me sideways all the time. It was like I was in a, you know, being hit by a, you know, in this, you know, in the pack, you know, in a rugby game. They're just knocking me over. <laughs> so I wrung out my gloves and uh, carried on. And uh, yeah, so then uh, the the checkpoint came into into mind. So I was thinking, right, when I get to the checkpoint, I'm gonna go inside. I'm gonna go to use the loo. I'm going to uh, change my socks. I'll have a cup of tea, and uh, uh, and I don't know why I thought this was gonna happen in the, <laughs> the coastal path in the middle of nowhere in Cornwall. But when we got there, I could see this building emerging and a flag outside it. And then I realised the building probably hadn't been lived in for about 100 years. <laughs> and it became very obvious that the checkpoint was, well, the side of a, an old wall. Um, and there were a f- you could top up your water bottle and grab a few goodies. But um, there were quite a few people around, so there was no obvious place to stop and have a wee. So I think, oh, God, I've got to, <laughs> got to wait a while now. <laughs> anyway, I decided to stop, change my gloves, which was a good thing decided no way in the world I was going to change my socks because I just simply it would have taken me to forever to get my, my shoes off uh, because I'd treble, quadruple knotted them and they were just absolutely caked. I couldn't see the, the laces anywhere on them at that point. So anyway, if I'd have changed my socks, they'd have only got wetter again, wouldn't they? So no point in doing that. So I carry on and... Uh, <laughs> And then just as I leave the checkpoint, oh, I ate some flapjack at the checkpoint. Now, I've never done this on a run before, actually eating what you might call real food. I had one gel at that point. Um, so I ate some flapjack, the homemade flapjack that I made the night before. Um, <laughs> my flatmates uh, were offered it, but they decided not to go for it. I don't know why. I thought it looked okay. Anyway, I, I ate some of that. Um, and in case, you know, reaction over the rest of the course was that, well, it didn't, I didn't feel any effect in my stomach eating this flapjack at all. Um, I didn't run very fast for the rest of the race, but I'm not putting that down to the flapjack. Um, 
I left the checkpoint. I've gone. It's slightly downhill from, from the checkpoint before then you go uphill. And I slip over straight away. <laughs> Within five yards of leading the checkpoint. And this is quite a serious slip over because my left leg goes straight out in front of me and my right leg kind of doesn't go anywhere. So it means that it, eventually my whole body weight pull comes over it. This is very descriptive, isn't it? And it buckles underneath me. And so the inside of the um, knee, you know, the bit that... If, you, if you're sitting down now and you, you, you've got that joint, you know, you, you've got the, the sort of 90 degree bit and underneath your knee, that's where it really stretched me out. And uh, I was quite lucky, really, because I, I was bent over in a bit of an awkward shape with this leg. And that's the second time that exact same thing had happened to me. So I was thinking, oh, God, you know, what if I can't get up from here? <laughs> I don't get moving again. <laughs> anyway, I do get up and I do get moving and I carry on and... I uh, managed to find somewhere to go for a wee and all that stuff. Um, and then it's just getting slower and slower and slower. And then around somewhere around Zenner, I think, we hit the uh, the big rocks. And um, uh, you, you just, I don't know, I found it really tricky. I was quite tired by then. I'd been out there for, what, three hours probably. And uh, I was clambering, clambering over these rocks and, try, you know, it's taking forever. And interestingly on Strava, Strava gave me a, a much quicker time because at that point Strava thought I'd stopped. And uh, for some reason Strava only records me when I'm moving. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a setting I need to change. Um, so I'd st- I stopped. Um, I was taking ages over these rocks, but I, I suppose everybody else was. And then the, the conditions just deteriorated. Well, they, you know, they were getting worse all the time because it, was, it wasn't raining, but because everybody was running on the same path, they were mauling it all up. It was already really, really wet, so it was very slippery. And as your legs get tired, it's hard to keep going, and uh, and especially on the downhills because you're you're kind of getting very conscious about falling over, because you'd fallen over so many times that you know you thought, oh, I just don't want to fall over again. So you get more and more cautious. So uh, what I noticed in the second half was that uh, people who started the little jack, the seven miles, were zipping past me on the downhills because you know they hadn't fallen over; they'd only been running for half an hour maybe, or 40 minutes at the most. So they were all full of energy and life and excitement. <laughs> and I was out there for, I've been out there for three and a half, four hours, and I was in Kerry Packard and um, uh, knackered. And uh, yeah, anyway, um, so I get to the top of this mountain at about 14 miles, I think, and there's an aid station there as well. I could, how on earth did they get all that stuff there? I've no idea. There was, you know, great big drums of water, which weigh a ton. I don't know. Good. Well, what a great thing. Anyway, I I I'd hardly drunk anything as I said by then. So, but then as I went past, I noticed they had some goodies in a box. So I took out a, a Jaffa cake, and a fig roll. <laughs> and as I got going along, I realised that the fig roll was rock hard. <laughs> it had obviously suffered in the in the treacherous, windy conditions. So. And I was very, uh, suddenly I was eating it, and I thought, oh, I can't eat any more of this. It's ridiculous eating this. I can't get rid of it. And then I remember Dave's warning about being disqualified for littering. <laughs> and I was thinking, has he got a drone out there somewhere that's watching me now? So if I chuck away this fig roll, which it, it won't be littering really, because it's going to get eaten by something or somebody, or it will just mush up in the next few days. Um, Will, will I will I be disqualified? And will he show me video evidence of me getting rid of the fig roll? So I discreetly got rid of it, hoping that no one, his drone thing, hadn't seen me. Uh, and I'm now going at 20, 21 minute miles, and I'm shuffling along, and really slowly shuffling along, and I'm, I'm I'm running occasionally, but 
There wasn't many opportunities to actually run. I think, you know, it had been even testing for the best of runners at that point. So every time, you know, my, my sort of watch went off and another mile had gone and it'd take me 21 minutes or 20 minutes or even I had a really good spurt, 19. <laughs> but I also knew that I was going to be comfortably inside the seven hours. I could walk in from there and I'd be inside seven hours. The challenge was whether I could do it in five or less. And at about four hours and 25 minutes into the run, Three people from the Truro Running Club caught me up. Three good runners, and uh, uh, you know, I was pretty impressed that it take. I'd held them off for four hours twenty five minutes. That <laughs> Cassie, Hannah, and Mark. Um, but uh, I couldn't stay with them, you know, and and they left me behind anyway, which quite rightly so. You know, I wasn't in distress. I was in good spirits. I was well, my my legs were aching, but apart from that, I was absolutely fine. So there was no need for them to hang around and shepherd me back over. Anyway, eventually we. Uh, get to 17 miles and then suddenly I go around the corner and there is St Ives and suddenly I'm on tarmac I can't believe it and <laughs> as I said in the podcast as I said in the podcast recording I would have just I'd never been so pleased to see tarmac I don't think um even though my legs were shot and I was struggling to run but I shuffled along the tarmac I felt at one point lying down in the tarmac just for the hell of it you know because I've been lying down in the mud all the way around um, and then we got to this beach, and just as I got to the beach, the you know the clock went over five hours, which was a new for me. I'd never been in a run where I'd been out there for five hours, but that happened. So I got over the beach, um, and I thought I thought in my mind that the end would be at the end of the beach. And as I got closer to the end of the beach, I realised there was nothing there, and I could see runners going up the side of the beach on a path. <sighs> so anyway, still a bit more to go. <laughs> So I go up the beach, and then there's a, a quite a steep uphill to the finish. But I thought, bugger this, I'm going to run all the way up there, all the way. I'm going to really put it in now. So I gave it my all. And just as I got to the finish line, there was a huge gust, and it blew me sideways over the finish line. Anyway, according to the stats afterwards, I was 98th, and uh, it was 5 hours, 9 minutes, and 27 seconds. So... Without doubt, the toughest run I've ever done. But great, uh, great training. I'm told for the for the classic quarter. Um, uh, all the all the season runners told me that uh, the classic quarter course will be easier overall, um, and of course it will be in the summer. Whereas this was in uh, end of February. So would I do this again? No, definitely not. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I've got the massive medal. Um, thank you very much. I'm happy not to do it again. So, uh, But I would recommend if you haven't done it, you do it because it was a real adventure and you'll feel a great sense of achievement when you finish. It's brilliantly organised. Um, and it, yeah, so definitely go and book yourself in, you know, uh, but make sure you've got all the kit. And and I don't think you should wreck it either because it'll put you off. If I had a wreck it, I'd have thought, oh God, this is going to be too tough. So just go in with an open mind, get yourself in. It'll be sometime at the end of February, beginning of March next year. So thanks very much to all my teammates who kept me going. You know, it was a really lovely. There's a, you know, there's a picture on the website of, of us afterwards all looking really jolly. And to the, the people who organised it, Dave particularly, obviously the main organiser, uh, at the island there was a, we used the Surf Life Saving Club and he put on pasties and coffees and teas and soup and cake and whatever you wanted. Um, so I really did enjoy it, but I'm not doing it again. Thanks very much.